Hey everybody, it's it's Jeff. Welcome into another episode of the Comics Place Presents a Perfectly Acceptable Podcast. Uh, it's a small space that we've carved out in the internet that is generally a bastion of comic book love and camaraderie and support. I say usually because when I said hi this week, it's Jeff. It's Jeff, and it's just it's just Jeff. It's just Jeff. You may not know, but Django, our fearless comrade uh, is in New Orleans or actually who knows where he is right now he's driving from New Orleans to Los Angeles and Colette and I are flying down to Los Angeles so that the three of us can do a tour of comic shops talk to people about comic shop assistant uh, just do do a owner's manager retreat which we try to do once a year and get a bunch of good ideas and you know remember that we love each other in the industry uh, which can be easy to forget at times although not too much lately i'm gonna be honest i've been i've been pretty riding high on comic books anyway all that to say uh this week because we're headed out of town Django's not around we didn't have time to get roman and i together sadly so i am dropping in to tell you briefly about some of the comic books that came out this week that i read and loved and then we're gonna get you into the most recent episode of the Data Bros with the side hustle podcast Django, myself, and our good friend Brian Garside have been putting out. Uh, pretty pleased with it. Quite pleased with it so far. Also pretty excited. Um, I recorded a bunch of music and sent it all to Brian so he could figure out like intro, outro music and like, you know, bits, you know, little themes for bits. Tr- sent him like 12 or 13 tracks and he was like, these are all pretty bad, bud. And I was like, well, I worked so hard, Brian. And he was like, yeah, well, I'm, I'm going to need you to work harder. So I went back to the cave, worked harder, um, sent him 10 more songs that were actually just 10 of the 12 songs I had originally sent him. And he said he really liked a couple of them. So anyway, uh, I, I got to question his reliability as a producer, but certainly not as a man because I love Brian Garside. Um, so anyway, after I tell you briefly about some comics, you'll be able to listen to the most recent episode of Data Bros, hear that intro outro music. And uh, yeah, we're pretty proud of that show and the direction it's taken. And we've gotten some really good feedback about it. So even if it think, it thinks it's something that might be a little bit boring, uh, you know, maybe give it a listen after this. Okay. Things that came out this week. Spoiler warning, probably not. It was a fifth week, which means, as you know by now, it was a pretty small output. Usually DC will put out, like, annuals and stuff because comics are supposed to come out once a month, you know? So we had things like the Batman and Robin 24 annual, uh, Batman Superman World's Finest 2024 annual. We had the Trinity Special, which reprints a bunch of the back matter that Tom King's Wonder Woman book has been putting out, which is awesome because uh, those kids, people love those kids. Um, yeah, handful of things, but I think I want to start this week talking about uh, Moon Man came out from Image Comics, number one. This is written by Scott Kid Cudi Meskety. Uh, you may have heard of the hip-hop rap ap, uh, actor, musician, cultural icon that is Kid Cudi. He, uh, gosh, his first album, Man on the Moon, came out in probably like 2008, and for my generation... Uh, that was the year I graduated high school. It was a pretty huge record. I love it. I still love it to this day. He's had a pretty large career of albums. Um, very few of them are not worth listening to. Um, like I said, I'm a huge fan. The production is awesome. Uh, his melodies are great. Some kind of pioneered sad boy rap, which is very cool. Um, you probably don't need me to be telling you about Kid Cudi because this is a comic podcast, but it's cool to have the world of comic books collide with the world of music that I love very, very much. Um, you're going to hear a lot of ums in here, you guys, because I can't I can't just like stop talking and trust that Django or Roman will say something, so bear with me. This is sort of a sad astronaut book. Uh, Kid Cudi has loved comics his whole life, always wanted to make comics, and has been writing this, and the art is pretty great as well. The protagonist obviously looks like Kid Cudi himself. Uh, You know, superpower astronaut, kind of in the future story. A lot of the trappings that you normally see in sort of an actor or artist or musician turned comic writer is way too wordy, uh, flow problems, not relying on the art to tell the story. And all things considered, I don't 
I think that they did really well with that. I didn't see a lot of those hangups that oftentimes are associated with, you know, a first writer thing. So if you are interested in music or if you are just checking out Image Comics, I do think Moon Man is a good book. It's not a one shot. It's going to be a mini series. Uh, I don't think it's reinventing the wheel. It's not a brand new thing. But if you have experienced his music or you like the rap genre, I think you get a real tickle from reading this comic book. So I'm going to put it out there. You guys should check out Moon Man. We've got some more of them at the comic shop. Uh, I'm going to give that one an 8.5. That's what I'm going to do. I thought it was a real good comic. Uh, another book that came out this week was Titans Beast World number six. Obviously, Tom Taylor and Ivan Reese. This brings Titans Beast World to a close. A mini series that, all in all, was better than I was expecting it for. I do think one of the main problems that happened with this Titans Beast World event is that it started just a couple issues into Tom Taylor's. Uh, Titans run, and it made the main Titans book feel kind of ancillary to me because the main Titan story was happening in Titans Beast World, which from a marketing or production standpoint, I think is not a great move. I think what they should have done is maybe given him six to 12 issues to tell a really sweet Titan story that will hook people if they get the first collection of it and, and kind of use that as a proof of concept to tell this larger story. As it stands, the first trade paperback of Titans is gonna be you know, two or three issues and then several issues of Beast World, which doesn't really allow it to have as long of legs as it would have otherwise, uh, like his Nightwing book, for example. All that said, it was a pretty good event. Um, you know, Gar is brought back to life at the end. Amanda Waller is kind of risen to power, which, you know, we mentioned last time on the podcast, uh, she, you know, hit and miss with me on Amanda Waller, mostly misses, but if the way that if the reason she's been appearing in all of these books for the last year and a half or so is uh, because they're excited to develop in a slow, logical, methodical way, Amanda Waller is a large, big bad in Buffy language. Um, I think that they did it correctly. I think I incorrectly assumed. Well, I hope incorrectly assumed that she was just in a lot of books because she was in movies. The Suicide Squad movie had done well, even though the cinematic universe is largely moving on from it. But um, yeah, it's it's good to have her being well-developed as a character that is a threat and is annoying. So I'm, I'm warming to her presence and all sorts of stuff. The big thing that happens in this is that Raven's evil side has been given corporeal form, a physical body, and we're kind of left with them fighting, and then that fight is resolved while we're away, and they've done away with the bad Raven, but what it turns out, you guys, is that bad Raven is the one that's still around, and good Raven's trapped in the stone. So, you know, not, not something I've never seen before, but... I think it's going to be a, a nice little hook for the Titans series moving forward with Tom Taylor. There's some really nice art in here. Ivan Reese really brings his A-game, which is cool. Uh, you get a lot of the Titans doing awesome stuff to wrap up this battle. Um, yeah, it it was pretty good. Titans Beast World, number six. I think it's a good mini series. It's not like in the Blackest Night echelon of things, but it's in a, a solid B tier. I'm going to give this issue and the event itself I'm going to give this issue an 8, and I'm going to give the event itself an 8 as well. Yeah, well done, buddies. Duke number 2 came out this week from Image Comics, written by Joshua Williamson, art by Tom Riley. You know, I'm a Transformers boy who's getting dragged into the G.I. Joe world. I've always looked down on the G.I. Joe because it's so pro America, pro-military, I don't know, that's always been a big turnoff for me. But the art in this is fantastic, and it's so tied into the Transformers universe that I, uh, I'm i totally on board for it. The character Duke kind of goes around and sees a bunch of other people that we know are G.I. Joes. We know, even though I don't know about G.I. Joe. Uh, at the end, you know, you got a battle, you got a car chase, you got a great cross-section of the G.I. Joe base, you know, like the cutout like Jack Kirby used to do with the Baxter building. And at the end, we uh, see Baroness is there, who we know is a, a bad lady Cobra person. I think if you like G.I. Joe, you're probably ecstatic about this in Cobra Commander currently. I am not a huge G.I. Joe-man. But I'm still enjoying this quite a bit. It was probably the first book I read in my stack of comics this week because this Energon universe is so exciting for me. I'm absolutely adoring it. So yeah, this continued that along real well. I think I like Cobra Commander a bit more than this one. This is probably my bottom of the three, but that's, you know, it's a, still a high tier and someone's gotta believe Duke that he got hit by a, by a Transformer, right? That's someone's gotta believe that. 
Wolverine 42. Oh, I give Duke uh, 8.5, maybe a nine. You know, I, it's hard, you guys. I don't have Roman or Django here to sort of put, you know, I'm always on the fence about scores, you know, but by 0.5, those guys are, are good about making me feel confident in my decisions. I don't have them right now, so I don't feel confident in it. Wolverine 42 continues the Wolverine versus Sabretooth stuff that's been going on. I guess it's worth mentioning because it's super brutal. Marvel has that Blood Hunt series coming out that's going to have like adult only versions of it. So there's going to be more violence. And I don't know. I hope they do a sexy one at some point because I'd like, I wouldn't mind. Two storm, uh, nothing. Um, but so this one, kind of leaning into that, is is a pretty adult comic. Like it's very violent, kind of shocking. In fact, the previous stuff hadn't really been nearly as violent as this. Which you've got Brian Hitch on the art, so that probably leans to towards it rather than you know who was doing it, which was Rip, R Y P. I forget his first name. This is pretty good Hitch art, all things considered. It is Hitch, right? It almost kind of defer or diverges from his normal style. Oh my god, it's Corey Smith doing a, a Brian Hitch look. So ignore the Brian Hitch thing. Uh, Corey Smith got a got a Brian Hitch look to his art. This is Sabretooth hunting down Wolverine. He's got, there's like a multiversal sort of, because everything has a verse now. And we've got the Saberverse and Sabretooth. I hadn't read Victor Laval's miniseries, but it seems like he's been going around to different Krakoa or Marvel universes and gathering a whole bunch of Sabretooths tooths he's cut off their heads and they all have these like neck collars kind of like the x-men had in genosha and so it's a whole bunch of saber tooths sneak like trying to make wolverine bummed out as you'd expect and they're invading the mansion or, or actually where the x-men are all hanging out right now because they're not in the mansion but it's fun with how brutal it is i'm not somebody who you know violence is the thing that makes me love stuff but this is, it's fun to see a Marvel book just beyond the realm of something, you know, that is good for a nine-year-old. So, yeah, Sabretooth continuing to muck things up. I'm liking it. It feels, it feels like a, a brutal, brutal comic book. I'm going to give this one a nine as well. This series has been uh, selling out as well in the last, since this like, kind of crossover has started. So, one thing I wanted to mention in preparation for this episode of the podcast, which we were hoping to be able to do, instead of just talking about the same books that I've been reading a whole bunch, I went to the comic shop and uh, picked up a stack of books that I know Roman has been reading, but because he's not like me or Django and just feels like everyone should listen to him talk, he doesn't necessarily scream like, hey, read this book that's good. But one thing I had noticed that he'd been reading that he'd been liking a lot was Spider-Boy by Dan Slott and Paco Medina. So I dipped in on this. I had read the first issue. Didn't read two because I don't really love Dan Slott. I don't necessarily love the conceit of this Spider-Boy character. Uh, you know, like this, it's the extreme retcon. Like he was in the universe forever and then he was blipped out and he came back and we all forgot who he is. So kind of a fun way to do a retcon, but also just like pretty huge. That said, this is a cute book. Uh, this character was a little annoying for me at first. The the Spider Boy character whose name I forget. Um, you know Bailey. He's a, he can be a little bit annoying, but actually there's a lot of heart in the character, and he's dealt with a fair amount of loss as well. And they make that clear. You know, like he doesn't have his family because he's kind of displaced in time or reality. Uh, so when they develop kind of the sadness of him, I like that. That makes him way more relatable than just being an annoying, super quippy kid. Uh, yeah, Roman, I wish you'd been telling me about this because I actually enjoyed the book quite a bit. I think I'm going to keep reading it. There's this real shitty rich kid that's like, you know, kind of shaping up to be his nemesis. But the way that that plays out in the issue is pretty, pretty cool. Um, and they make this cute little hyper adaptoid villain that was gonna be you know like a human sized one but they didn't get enough of the adaptoids material so it was only his hand so it's a tiny little version of him but he's got all of the avengers powers so he's actually super super powerful and he's there to fight spider boy for this muck muck who's a jerk and spider boy is able to kind of convince him to not be violent like be you know like you're made of all these heroes so all of these heroes live inside of you um and the guy takes off and he's like yeah i'm gonna go help people instead so all in all it was really really good i'm gonna give this book a nine uh roman great recommendation yeah this this is good people should be reading that spider boy book i think even if you're not a huge dance lot fan like i am also not a huge dance lot fan that's 
that's, oh, uh, World's Finest, the annual that came out this week. I've been loving this series, so I thought I'd read the annual. The main story here focuses on Mr. Mitzpidlik's reality, and it's got the, like, imp versions of the entire Justice League just being incredibly annoying, but it's pretty cute. I like, you know, that imp reality. Uh, the middle story is kind of a metamorpho one that's not great, but the final story in it has art by Jorge Fornes, who you know I love, and it's written by Christopher Cantwell, who has done many great things. Uh, she Could Fly is one of them. Uh, yeah, a, a lot of... He's been doing more Marvel stuff lately. He did that Doctor Doom series that I'm a fan of. Um, but yeah, so the Jorge Fornes art in there is really cool. It's great. And it's going to be leading into some sort of Challenges in the Unknown series, which in my lifetime of reading comics has only just fallen on its face in terms of new series in that brand. But uh, I'm very excited for that creative team with it. And it looks cool. It's a good tone. So excited to learn about the challengers of the unknown. Because that's what I've got for you this week. I'm just checking in because I feel bad about not putting a new episode up if we're not able to. So don't, you know, don't look a gift horse in the mouth. I don't know why I said that. That's not even applicable. Enjoy the episode of Data Bros. It's going to drop in here. I think it's a lot of fun. Again, that's a fun podcast. You should find it. You could find it anywhere. Anywhere podcasts come in and out of the world. Um, I'm going to put a thank you out there to Will, who wrote in an email for this week's podcast. And I thought about answering it, but I thought it'd be more fun to wait because technically this isn't, I don't feel like this is a full-on actual episode. It's just sort of a, a thing. So, Will, thank you for doing that. We'll get to the episode next, or the email next episode. I'm going to be optimistic and tell you folks that I think we're going to have an episode next week. Django and I and Colette will be on the road, but I'm going to bring my recording stuff to hopefully be able to sit down in our Airbnb and record some stuff about what we're learning and whatnot, uh, which is always fun. So, But don't be angry if you don't hear from us next week because it just means things got hectic. I hope that you all have a fun Super Bowl weekend. You know, two things that go well together, comic books and football. It's just a thing. Um, yeah, that's going to do it for me, you guys. I adore you very much. I'll miss you. Um, take care of yourselves. Visit the comic shop while we're away. Uh, listen to Data Bros. Yeah. Yeah, that's the stuff I got. Uh, you can send us an email like Will did, but I didn't read this week, to jeff at thecomicsplace.com. I would really love that. That would be wonderful. I would appreciate it. Um, and I probably wouldn't hold it off for a following week because i'm recording a thing alone uh, this this is hopefully a one one-timer thing i don't I the, man the idea of recording one of these solo any amount of time of it um used to be real intimidating to me i think the last time i did this was when i recorded actually spider-man full circle for will at my last house so yeah now i'm just just running for it naked in the wind confidently going so, yeah, thanks for hanging out with me alone. This is what it's like to be around just Jeff. It's fine. All right, enjoy the Bros, and we'll see you next time for an official episode of The Comics Place Presents The Perfectly Acceptable Podcast. Coming to you from top-secret field offices worldwide, these brave men and women fight a battle for truth, justice, and good, clean data. These agents of change make up the Bureau of Records, Objects, and Standards. They are the Data Bros. Welcome to Data Bros, a comic book industry podcast talking about comics, comic data, comic book retail, and running a modern comic shop. I am Django. I'm and Jack. I'm here with Oh, sorry, I, I misread that. No, it's I I wasn't I wasn't re and also we are walking all over each other. This Brian, <laughs> Django, this is this is Data Bros, not the perfectly acceptable podcast. Oh, sorry, I got confused. I thought yeah. I thought that was uh, I thought this was sound a game like, we were playing. This is the this is like, the serious one. You sound like hey, Mike fellas. Rundle over there. <laughs> I got a quick question for you guys. Um, I have been referring to these episodes as issues. Yeah, so whenever I we put out an episode, I call it issue volume one issue. This will be issue four. What do you think about? Are you doing it um, ironically? No, using the volume tag for issues versus the volume tag for episodes. Is that uh, is that reasonable? 
the comet standard Django issues. Well, I mean, I I would say the volumes would be more like seasons for us. This is bad content. (laughs) (laughs) This is bad content. (laughs) All right, right into data broification. Jeff Figley, ladies and gentlemen, our that was episode zero. The sausage should have been covered there. Bellwether, never. Yeah, this is terrible content. Folks, we don't want to waste your time. So we're no. going to get right into Jeff's theme song. Oh, on the topic of wasting time. Yeah. I I have only been listening to the Full House theme on repeat, trying to find inspiration oh, for this one. Thought- right now, it's, I mean, it is a note-for-note copy of the Full House theme. So <laughs> I thought uh, Rofication was going to be like... Thought we were going for like no, I agree with Django. It sounds professional. It sounds professional. (laughs) Hey, let's let's talk about something a little bit sad this week. Um, there were a lot of shops that we lost in 2023. Um, right off the top of my head, there's Jeffrey Comics and Heidi Ho Comics in uh, California, opened in 1977, one of the first comic shops like ever. And they shut down. The owners retired. Uh, I you, We saw a lot of shops in California close. Uh, Heroes Comics in, in Fresno, who was a managed comic store. Uh, the owner, Dave Alred, retired after 34 years in business. He said he was going to, uh, um, I don't know, is it pilot boats? Or is it float boat? What do you do with a boat? Do you drive a boat? You, you, pilot. you sail it. Yeah, you sail. Well, he you wasn't sailing it. though, because it was a motorized boat. So, does he, do you motor a boat? Oh no, no, no! Sorry, federalism. I, You're thinking of yeah. Sailing means a lot of things. Without, oh, so you can sail they, a motorboat? Yeah. Absolutely. Huh. The Titanic, <laughs> right, one of the saddest sailboat sinkings of all time. <laughs> well, Dave is off to sail uh, his into his retirement, and he sold the business to a customer. What's crazy though is before he left, the reason he retired is because his landlord increased his rent by 70%. Good and lord. He's just like he just noped out of there. So his That's I forget his, the name of the guy that that bought the business, but he basically bought all the the stuff and the customers and everything. He's carried on and he's starting his own like a different name and everything. Um we lost AJ's so comics closing was, but not closing. Yeah, yeah, like Dave's gone, but there's, you know, Dave's not here. Dave's not here, man. Yeah. But there's yeah. a, a new a new Dave who's not named Dave, I believe. Uh, in Connecticut, AJ's Comics closed right at the beginning of the year. Uh, AJ's was owned by Peter. Oh, gosh, I can't remember Peter's last name. But he had owned it for, like, I think 15, 20 years. And mm-hmm. he just decided to get out of the game. And so he uh, he shut down his business. He was our third managed comic store, which really kind wow. of bummed me out when, when he left. Um, Endgame Comics in Ventura, California also closed. Uh, I see that. I was on looking at YouTube. your notes. I thought it was Endagame. Oh, no, no. It's Endgame. 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 Okay. Which is Endgame really confusing because there's an the Endgame comics in England. I want to say, like, maybe Ireland. Anyway, okay. UK. And they always confuse me because I always got them confused with the Ventura because their logos were awfully similar, but they're <laughs> apparently not related at all. Uh, Brainstorm Comics and Gaming in Maryland closed, which that was just kind of the tail end of 2023. Um, you know, there was there was a lot of shops like we noticed. I can think off the top of my head, subscription store um, in Cambridge, just down the street, down the road from me, there was a Hero's Tale that, that started up. So there was a bunch of new stores and there's been a really cool path that I've noticed where stores will start out online and develop an audience. And then while they're kind of getting all their brick and mortar uh, ducks in a row, they start to build up that weekly clientele and everything. So as soon as they're Mm -hmm. open, like a hero's tale, they've done massive signings. They just had Gail Simone there last month. And like they're, it's a really cool little little shop. The guy's a retired teacher, retired school teacher. And he's just like, this is my, it's my post, uh, to do yeah so yeah it's it's you know it's been sad but pretty happy i think because it feels like there's as many or more new stores opening as there are closing 
it's just some of those closing stores are like the old guard. I think the comic stores are a business that maybe tends to run longer than a lot of retail does. Yeah. Um, and, and like be handed down from owner to owner in a way that a lot of stores, you know, clothing stores and stuff like that aren't necessarily uh, as, as legacy filled as comic shops. It's true. And, and it kind of fits with the whole third place thing that we talked about last time. Mm-hmm. Um, you mm-hmm. know, where the, it's, it's your bar, it's your place that you go to where everybody knows your name. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah. Right? Jeff, oh, too careful. Young. Careful. No, no, no. Ten seconds. No, I only got five seconds. Oh, there we go. All right. All right. <laughs> you know what else has a lot of legacy, Django? Numbering. Have you, Marvel Comics numbering. Have you guys been paying <laughs> attention? Stop. Have you guys been paying attention to our title sponsor, Murphy's Apple Juice's drama? Man, I don't know what's going on over there, but that Bob is a very direct dude, but I can Bob, never quite tell what he's talking about. Bob is a direct dude. Alan, the obviously the kind of right hand man, the person who does most of the Murphy engineering at this point, has an a- absolute addiction at this point. It seems like to texting me with whatever drama is happening in the facility, you know, in the crushing, really, where they're crushing the apples, and it all seems so childish selfish they, they crush them i i was under the impression oh, yeah, they juice them well it's a press yeah it's an apple press oh yeah you, yeah, you don't yeah. you don't juice without a crush well and well, so yeah, yeah. but a, a big thing that's happening at murphy's is the one of the reasons that they've able to succeed as an apple juice business with all the amazing packaging they have is that they press the apples then you have a bunch of the, the apple grind left over right the solids not of the apple juice murphy's had a subsidiary i forget the name of it but they were baking and making all sorts of apple product with the physical rind that was left that market has cratered okay Uh, it seems like the grapple the grapple is out there replacing apple's place in the world so anyway murphy's hasn't been able to make money off of the physical discard juice is a lot harder to sell because everyone carries idea of the biodegradable pack Everything and this makes is so why and LaCroix, yeah. LaCroix, since the pandemic has been cushing it, putting big juice in its corner. It's yeah. Murphy's wow. is. Murphy's yeah, I, is I hope I honestly hope they can can figure things out because this is an expensive podcast to do. And we really can't afford to do it without a title sponsor like Murphy. So I hope they, true. you know, everything. Yeah. Why don't we take a second and, and just uh, hear from our sponsors real quick and, and the sponsors, maybe some finances thing. Or, yeah 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 whatever is good yeah let's let's hear from those guys hi there it's carrie from murphy's apple juice and i'm here to announce more exciting news here at murphy's we're moving full steam ahead with our industry-leading 100 percent compostable fruit-based packaging and to that end we'll be moving out some inventory you will want to stay tuned for a deal so great that the board might get fired <laughs> You know what time it is? It's time to check in the sack of emails. Who did we hear from this week? Here's an email from Chad at Emerald City Comics. Chad writes, Hello, it was interesting to hear the contrasting best-selling book lists. Here's ours by Quantity Sold. Number five, How to Tell If Your Cat is Plotting to Kill You. Number four, Spider-Man TPB, Craven's Last Hunt. Number three, how to talk to your cat about gun safety number two something is killing the children volume one number one tmnt the last ronin hardcover chad goes on to say i like the idea of having a separate new comics section for number ones and jumping on points for us new comics are racked alphabetically by title all full-faced exception superhero titles are racked by the character's name instead of title amazing spider-man for instance is racked under spider-man This week's new comics have a new label in front of them for easy browsing. We also have one-issue labels. We do have a separate little display of some number ones on a table in the center of the store. Thanks again for doing this podcast. Chad Rivard, General Manager, Emerald City Comics. If you'd like your email to be read on Data Bros, drop us a line at podcast at databrosinc.com. Now let's get you back to the show. Okay, well, thanks to Murphy's Apple Juice for sponsoring us, and uh, I think I think it's time you guys to have a little industry yammer. 
What do you think? Yeah. 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 Um, there what, was an ominous um, sweet potato. What is this song going to sound like again? What? This is like a, just a yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. It's all about yeah. root vegetables. <laughs> a lot of yams. Um, okay, so so sketched.com, David Harper, Harper at sketch.com had an sketched. article that came out a little, little while ago. S-K-C-H-D. Um, S-K-P-C-H-D. S-K-C-H-D. He, he had just kind of a, a recap of 2023. He does that twice a year. Um, usually in like June, he'll talk to a bunch of retailers and, and take their temperature. And then again at the end of the year. And uh, so we, we read this and uh, just kind of wanted to. Controversially you know, not behind the at. payroll wall. So uh, you'll, yep. you'll be able to read completely great, a total pain in the beep and everything in between retailers discuss a year of change in comic shops. And we'll include and we can put the link in. The in the, yeah. Yeah. Jeff, can you just um, jam that link down there? Absolutely. Oh, no, you're I'll just writing it now. Right. <laughs> <Hold a laughs> you write a song about this link? link written on it. Oh, yeah, I've already got a couple. <laughs> um, I guess the my, my main takeaway from this is that I think things are still hard, but not, not as dire as retailers generally felt like it was earlier in the year. And uh, probably also not as dire as some of us make it sound. Yeah, there was a really nice quote in there that, you know, somebody had said to the effect of the comics industry isn't one industry, it's 2,500 industries, Mm -hmm. which I think there's a lot of truth to uh, because reading the complaints from some stores don't apply to our store at all. Reading the things that work well for other stores might not be working well for our store. Django and I run a shop in Bellingham. which is a unique thing about the comics industry. I think it's really cool that it's such a small industry and people know each other and there's a real sense of identity within a community. Um, But it also means that with that, you get a lot of people complaining that things are going poorly. It might not be applicable to everyone. I think this issue, this article kind of focused on a lot of the doom and gloom that is put forth from retailers and then sort of showed uh, the truth to that, but also where that didn't come to fruition and how 2023 ultimately did end a bit better than it started. But it's always really interesting within comics to see who is upset about what, right? There's always somebody yelling about something. Yeah. And I, yeah. And and it was, it was Ryan Higgins who said that about there being 2,500 comic industries and and that's so spot on yeah and i think there's like yeah that's that's funny because i say i always joke that we have 180 comic shops that use managed comics and they use it 273 different ways um which i think (laughs) is true for anything right like pretty pretty accurate um what what i think is really interesting is like going back to the 2500 different kind of industries a lot of the problems that individual shops have are very geographically kind of, you know, a good example was California, like rents in California went out of control. Also, I believe mm-hmm. minimum wage went up quite substantially in California. So places like that, that are going to see, too. for sure. Yeah. And and you're going to see a big difference compared to like, I don't know, let's say Ontario, where our, our minimum wage only went up like 30 cents an hour uh, this year. But um there's places where minimum wage went up. What what did yours go up? Went up a, a dollar. Right well, it yeah. It's it's pegged to the state minimum wage. So our city right. is a dollar above the state minimum wage. And then next wow. year in like May, it goes up to two dollars above the state minimum wage. And wow. it's I would be astounded if the state wage. didn't raise it. Yeah. Right. So like we we may be we may be at twenty two dollars an hour as a minimum wage you know, in, in two or three years. Are you serious? Yeah. Now yeah. ask us how, like, ask us if we can raise the price of our hamburgers. No, uh, we, we don't sell we, hamburgers, Brian. So yeah. 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 I know. Yeah. I know. No, Your they stamp that MSRP right on the cover. Your hamburgers. Yeah. are stu- Wow. That's amazing. So in Ontario, I think ours this year is now 16, 50 an hour, or maybe 
It's something like that. I, that's one of those things that I should have done uh, research, which is a Google search. Uh, Ontario <laughs> minimum wage 2024 is now 16.55 an hour, uh, which went yeah. up, I believe, marginally from last year. 16. Yeah, and it, it can it can be a big difference. Like I'm in yeah. I'm in New Orleans right now. I'm recording from New Orleans, where the minimum wage I think is the federal minimum wage, which is like. 755 or yeah. 755 an hour or whatever. And I don't think that any comic stores here pay their workers minimum wage. I think people right. get paid, you know, 12 or 15 bucks an hour, but um having having a floor as high as California's or or Washington's um it just kind of gives you different different challenges to to pay the bills, you know. For sure. And I mean to be fair, it's probably still hard to live on a $20 minimum wage. You know, we it's Oh yeah. The point is to to make it possible for people to live, but between the those pressures and rent pressures, which have just skyrocketed in the last couple of years, yeah, mm -hmm. it's, it's definitely. And so, what's been interesting though is also seeing kind of some of the really cool reinventions that places have done. So, um, Jen King's Space Cadets Collection collection. Mm -hmm. Is that right? Yeah. Um, so they just moved, and and you can speak to that because you guys were both there. In the we yeah, were we, the we old location yeah. just before. Yeah. Shout and out to had a she's awesome. She had a beautiful store. Yeah. Um, that and and you could tell that she had spent a lot of time kind of arranging it and growing. Like you could see where they had knocked down a wall and moved, right? Expanded the store into the next unit, and um, it it it's a wonderful store. And now I feel like, Jeff, we got to go back to Texas and see the new one. Yeah, we should do that in a couple of weeks. One thing that I thought was interesting <laughs> in this article um, in sort of talking about a lot of the pessimism within the comics industry coming into this year was sort of related to a large decrease in speculator buying that we had seen yeah. in the pandemic. Um, which, you know, a lot of people were getting unemployment much more than they had been. Uh, there was, you know, all sorts of things that money could be being used on, rent pauses. Um, so there was a huge amount of like speculator buying as well. Um, but it was just interesting in the quote here, you know, a lot of the decline came from the dissipating speculator market as new key issues and variant covers tanked in 2023. And I just think that the speculator portion of our industry is a really interesting one. And I used to feel strongly for the first handful of years that I was working at the comic shop that if a speculator comes in and wants to buy things, if something is going up, uh, it wasn't my place to try and immediately increase the price of it to match the market and stuff. Because what I was, you know, a, a belief I was holding was that there are several sub industries within the comics industry, like retails are one part of it, part of it. But for the entire ecosystem of comic books to be able to be as healthy as it is, there has to be those speculators, those people who are buying it, whether to make money or because it's a fun way that they spend their time doing that stuff. Um, but it seems like in the last handful of years, comic shops have worked really hard to combat speculators. And even uh -huh. at our store, there has been a sort of shift um, for a variety of reasons. But now, you know, Django and I will be trying to get that extra dollar to match that industry stuff. Those speculator things, you know, oh, this is selling for $9 on eBay. We should sell it for that. Which is an interesting problem. I think it benefits comic shops in the shorthand. But I do think that it did an amount to diminish or shrink the pool of speculators, which I think it overall is a benign tumor on our industry that actually helps us. So not benign tumor, but like it's just an interesting we all complain about speculators, but the health of them is incredibly important to the health of a comic shop and that ecosystem. It's I think it I think that varies so much from store to store, right? Like some yeah. people are willing to put in all the work to try to um get ahead of the speculation market and right. take big chances on things that could pay off really big with independent books or potential first appearances and stuff. Um, I think in our store, we've, we've, I feel like we found that um, people buying a whole bunch of copies of an early issue hurts us more than it helps yep. us. And, and that's okay with me to not be, um, you know, letting them tap us out of a book that, that our readers might want. But yeah, it is. It is definitely a part of the the industry that I, I don't think is going to go away. I think it's calming down, thank God, because it was way out of control for a couple of years mm -hmm. there. 
it's just shops complain about the speculatives and the speculators and all yeah. that stuff right and they can certainly annoy me but they're yeah. also a component to the health and strength of the industry so like we're i don't you know being able to not view them as people that we're specifically at odds with because now we're concerned about yeah. the industry because that buying isn't there yeah well i think speculators are important in the run-up to a book and they become increasingly destructive as that book gains popularity once it's been released so if, if speculators are really really hyped about something three weeks before it comes out that's an awesome thing and we need more of that but when speculators get pumped about a, a, a ultimate spider-man number one you know eight days after it's come out and <laughs> you're gonna sell less copies of number two because those speculators have managed to snag all the number ones that's yeah. that's where it becomes destructive now I think the comics companies have done a really good job of combating that by creating second prints quickly for these mm -hmm. big books. Like Ultimate Spider-Man already has a second print that will be out before number two hits the shelves. Yeah. That's a great thing. What's weird, though, is that like there's a one in 25 cover of Ultimate Spider-Man number one printing number two. And it's just like, um, that's gross that's that's encouraging speculation on serving and serving that part of the market i guess um, so i mean we yeah, don't really yeah. play the the variant the ratio variant on reprint game i can't i can't think Not of it at all we would have ordered enough yeah we reprints haven't. to merit that but yeah yeah it's, yeah. <clears throat> it's it, i mean yeah i i agree and disagree with that point brian you know like i i think speculation before a thing comes out is very good but then people have ordered it in the numbers that makes it not scarce which is good yeah, for our true. business but if that's the case then we don't have those things that are scarce that become exciting to look for it's in, i mean i'm of two minds because on a comic book standpoint as retailers i want to get hand you know comics in the hands of people i'm a huge record collector um scarce records don't bum me out it gets me excited it increases the work sure. that i want to do to find it um it increases my going to a record sort of look through used record bins to hopefully stumble across that stuff which spurs sales of new items you know like it's it's just it's a it's a working relationship that they all have and uh, i think to like fight it and deny it is sort of you know fighting a limb or something yeah it's an ecosystem it's an and ecosystem scarcity, sure. scarcity is a bit of a weird thing with comics because at the top end, you have Batman printing, what, 165,000 copies? Like, I just read right. there's something that's coming out soon that's going to have, like, 200,000 copies. Thundercats is 170,000, yeah, and it's blowing away all the indie records. Right. Ultimate so, Spider-Man is a, is a great reference point, though, Brian. Because that's a book that's gone way up in value now, but is not yeah. going to be scarce. We didn't have yeah. shelf copies because we put 50 copies in people's files that may or may right. not want it, right? So, mm -hmm. And so scarcity on $170,000 is a pretty relative thing because there's 350 million people in the United States alone, right? Like, so yeah. scarcity? Yeah, sure. But, I mean, Ultimate Spider-Man is something that I can see becoming a perennial bestseller where people... Yeah come back in I, we're going to see a ton of people you know in their 40s and 50s who stumble back into a comic shop for the first time in a while because they've heard this massive buzz on ultimate spider-man hey i read that 20 yeah. years ago and i was and 16 and now i'm 35 right like re yeah related to this from within this article they they mentioned that uh, i forget who says it but they said they had a belief um that we're headed currently towards a more content and creator driven approach yeah, that was cool as, rather than a collector driven market and so i was thinking about that and how this current time ecosystem is different than other times and the last time that i could feel like we were in a very similar spot was the big image boom of like 2012 you know mm -hmm. like saga manhattan projects sex criminals all that stuff but at the same time it was a huge it was like the best of both worlds because you had this changing of the guard they're identifying here of more of a creator approach but mm -hmm. there was also a very large speculator portion of that whole thing all like mm -hmm. you know the sex criminals variants the fourth printings all the fun covers and stuff so it, you know to me in thinking about 
that statement of a more creator content. I was like, well, I think that we've been in a similar spot before recently, but I think the difference is the collectability or perceived scarcity or value of the thing was higher then than I think that we are considering it now. I think now we are saying, yeah, it's the creators and not just the stories. Mm -hmm. um, but back then there was also, it's creators, but they're doing Batman and there's a one in 25 variant or something. So um, yeah, it's an interesting, you know, uh, each decade of comics is very different, right? So even 10 years ago, there it was a very interesting spot to look at. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and and we the industry as as a whole seems to try new things all the time. And you know what? 15 years ago, there were no one in 25s. Yeah. And right, they true. discovered that they could make some money on those. And now everything has a one in 25. And I kind of wonder if stuff like uh you know, vaults free first issue or this huge overship on mad ghost or mad ghost. No, no, no. Ghost, ghost machine. machine. Ghost machine. Yeah. Um, or, you know, like some of these, some of these weirdo promotions that these companies are doing, the, the keeping the transformers a secret um, until it got released in void rivals. I kind of wonder if we're not kind of casting around about for a new, kind of model to leverage people's excitement in the way that one in 25s used to. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. The saga one in 25 is like a very rare, valuable comic, you know? Yeah. It's, yeah. It's pretty interesting. I, I um, thought, I thought it was a great article and, and a lot of, yeah. it, it was, it was more upbeat than we've had in the last yeah. two weeks. And yeah. I think I, I appreciate that take on it. Yeah, there was this through line of like, yeah, there's a lot of gloom and doom, but like it's kind of because of the small size of the industry and that everyone focuses on kind of the problems within their walls. So we project those mm -hmm. outwards. If all you're hearing about is the one bad thing happening in hundreds of different stores, all you're hearing about is bad stuff. There, yeah. There's one thing that really stuck out to me, and <clears throat> I've heard this quite a bit from other stores as well. There the, the, the quote that I saw was there's one customer, there was a customer at one stage who was buying over 60 single issues a week and now they barely crack 25. Yeah. Um, Batista, mm -hmm. I think that was, I don't, Chris Batista, I want to say. I'm not sure exactly. Yeah, we, that we just had a customer this week. Uh, one of our, one of our big, big, big guys asked to cancel all of his subscriptions and he'll, he'll just kind of go a la carte from here. Yeah. Out, which is so kind of scary for a, big guy to do that yeah but at the same time like we so when i when i ran our shop we had a number of folks like that and they were terrifying to me because what had happened at one point is one of those guys passed away and he had a huge like he was getting 240 comics a a, a month mm -hmm. and when he passed away we were stuck for like two months of getting stuff still trickling in. And he was also buying like weird hardcovers and stuff that we would sometimes have to order, you know, six months out. Right. Um, and ever since then, I've always been super gun shy of folks like that for two reasons. One, he actually adjusted our discount percentage by two full points. So wow. we lost him. Not only did we lose those books, but we lost or like the money on those books, but we lost discount points. And it made me realize that like for, our particular business, it was better to have a whole bunch of people who got 60 comics a month than two or three people who got 500 comics a month. Like it, yeah, you're putting so many eggs in those individual baskets. I also found that the dudes who were buying a ton of stuff burned out way quicker oh, than yeah. your mm -hmm. regular customers who buy, you know, XXXX. That's, that's something that Jeff and I talk about a lot when we've got somebody who comes in and they're real excited about about collecting all the venom covers or something yeah we try to coach them to pull back just a little bit um, yeah and and hope that they don't fizzle out before like and and forget to tell us because yeah, that, that and seems to be this person who does that exactly yeah and i do think publishers are putting out things all of the time that at a rate and with like side series enough that if people were to buy them all, they would burn out very quickly. Like I, the, yeah. the way comics come out, it seems to be to 
fill the, you know, saturate the market as much as people could want. But yep. when you have this relationship that people often do with comics, which is they don't want to fall behind or they want to be aware of a full story, you're, I find myself trying to talk people out of buying into that fully because the person who feels like they have to read every X-Men book that's coming out right now isn't going to make it more than three months, you know, yeah, like, right. but if you can talk them out of dropping the two X books that they are not enjoying, it's going to keep the longevity of the other books going, right? It's, that's a really yeah. interesting part of comics, which is you want to be playing into the publisher's games as much as you can, but it is a model that is too much. So you yeah, have yeah. to be coaching your, your customers into responsible purchases. Yeah. Well, guys, uh, in the interest of keeping this at a tight 30. Oh, tight 30. Yeah, probably tight, over that. tight um, 30. Do you have anything else on, on this article? Like we could probably talk about every single paragraph in this article, but oh my it's gosh, a yeah, 300 we mile article when you're scrolling. So yeah. I approached, I, or I appreciated the tone that David had throughout the whole thing, yeah. which is, you know, not playing into the hysteria that can happen within comics. It's like, yeah, there's a lot of negativity. There's also optimism. So take everything with a grain of salt. And I, I liked that. Like you're only strengthened by hearing more viewpoints, but you don't have to always believe them for you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like I, that's my favorite thing about David is that he's optimistic. He seems really positive. And when you, when you listen to off panel, his podcast, like this week, he actually had his wife on and they talked about, he gave her homework and then he asked her questions about the stuff that, that he had her read. It was spectacular. Awesome. And it was so like <laughs> positive and uplifting. And it was just, yeah, it's just fun. Like I, I, I enjoy reading his stuff. There's other people that I read begrudgingly because I have to, it's work. Yeah. Reading sketched yeah. is fun. It's just enjoyable. Um, well, I'm going to, I'm going to change our script just a little bit here. Cause we already talked about one of the things in, in our shop talk section, which you just yeah. heard the theme song for. Did we hum? Are we humming it this time? Oh shop yeah. That, that was, that was a hum. Shop, yeah. Shop, I mean, shop, yeah, there's a couple shop. things I think we can move ding to dong, dong. next week's episode. Um, but ding yeah, dong. cause we didn't get to some stuff, but I think that that's totally good because we had a lot of great stuff to talk about in this I, issue episode, whatever. Yeah, I, I, I think what we what we could talk about real quick in the shop topic section would be uh, a follow up from our previous episode, um, and when we talked about our new racking system, where we have a wall of recent releases that are number ones and then we choose and beyond in line with the rest of the recent comics. And Jeff, you, you said that we've had some feedback since I left, right? Like pe people were saying that it's helped, especially with these delays um, to have us, you know what? I'm confusing conversations. Yeah. I don't think, I don't think I've, I've heard that. I've, I've, my feedback that I've gotten is still pretty 50, 50. And there are things that I nice. like, and there are things that I don't like extra work on our end for that's, sure yeah yeah and that's not so bad but in terms of like um providing a space for people to feel like they can swap covers to see variants um yeah i i don't think it's at the final form yet for me the best case yeah. is not even having the like number one shelf but doing a large bay of everything where you highlight that stuff but right Right. Uh, Brian just sent balloons up. Yeah, I don't know how I did that. Can I ask you two <laughs> questions as, as a dumb guy? Um, yeah. So having not been to your store before, and I'm going to rectify that this year at some point, I just got to figure out on my Perfect. calendar when that's going to be, but I'll be coming down to Bellingham, Washington at some point. And we'll record a live data, data roast. But nice. where physically is the new stuff? Like, do you do kind of the thing where you keep all your new stuff at the back so people have to go through the whole store or do you have them like kind of towards the front? Like where, it's, where do it's you about, your... it's about halfway through the store near the mm -hmm. beginning of where the comics start. Okay. Um, and the, our, our rationale behind that was that we wanted to be kind of near the Wednesday people when they're looking at yeah. the new comics. Um, Cause that's, that's a fun conversation place and we don't have to right. shout 20 feet back. So you're, so. you're kind of, cash register area is relatively close to where that area is. Is that? Yeah. Yeah. Idea? Yeah. yeah. Cool. That's a great idea. Yeah, so we can run out. Cause that's, that's, that's like the hardcore community is the people who are looking at those books. Yeah. Um, that's those those are the, the weekly nerds. So, um, 
Well, did you have another question about it? No, not really. I you know I do have Ooh. I do have one quick question, and we went over it real quick. Um, you know, Ultimate Spider-Man did really well for you guys. I think you said you've got fifty or so copies in in people's pull boxes that could end up being uh, shelf copies. Ghost Machine number one came out recently, and I think I I think they double shipped it. Like if you ordered ten, you got twenty. Is that right? Yeah, we were at 35. We were supposed to get 38 free copies and didn't get any of them, um, which oh, is the email I was sending right before terrible. we started this. What would you yeah. have done with that overship if you would have gotten it? Um, yeah, it's a great question. I So when that issue was solicited, what we did was auto-sub everybody that was getting any mad ghost creator-associated book at the time. So like so Geiger, Geiger, Joe. Yeah. Sure. Um, which ended up being about 50% of the quantities that we had ordered. Had we gotten the other hundred percent, um, that's the kind of thing that Django's out of town right now. I think we would have really like problem solved to figure out what we want to do with it. Um, like whether we want to be selling it half off to people mm. or whether we want to put it in certain people's subscribers that like wouldn't have asked for it and give it to them for free um our, our ideas that had come to mind for me having them not show up i haven't pursued the thought too heavily yet um but yeah i mean it's a big issue it's not super expensive putting it into people's files to buy it is awesome yeah i would say keeping a handful behind the counter to kind of give away when any conversation feels like that was the right move it would be a good thing to do as well is so this is another dumb guy question. So one of the two stores that I go to in London has a little, like a little display at the front and it's often it's whatever they got really cheap that they can give a really good deal to. But sometimes they'll do something like, like when Inebrio horse feathers came out, they actually had that right there and they were like, Hey, this is really fun. I think you'll enjoy it. And they kind of hanseled it. But is that something you guys ever do? Is it, is it useful? It's is it effective? It can Is be it just, like we try not to do that just because we have too many of them because we want yeah. people to trust us and believe us when we say For that sure. something's good. Um, so we try to try to not just make it a sales pitch, but to make it something we believe in. Uh, but that's kind of what we did with that vault book. You know, we put it in front yeah. of a whole lot of people and had the same same discussion about it. 25 times 30 times that afternoon and what is you know interesting works. about that vault book is just following up on it is beyond real the other one that came out under the same mm -hmm. sales moda has sold almost exactly 50 percent for us what unnatural order did which is um, i think really interesting that's what you're looking at yeah. doing that same pitch to people they were like mm, yeah meh you know, no, like it was it this, it was a risk. It was a fun game. It was a way to support us, you know, sure. but it, it, the novelty of it is what spurred those really high sales for us. Now, 50 copies yeah. of a comic sold is still a lot. That's close to our Batman. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. But, for sure. but if there's a third series doing it, I think a 50% atrophy or at attrition rate of beyond real is probably something worth predicting. Yeah. Although I bet that the floor is relatively high, probably like 30, right, 35. Um, yeah. Yeah. But it's, it, it's a very interesting thing, you know, love playing games, love offering new stuff, but you can't expect one successful thing to continue to be successful. I'll tell you what, 35 though, of a new number one, you know, times a thousand stores of 35,000 copies. That's, not a terrible number these days if everybody no, was able to leverage that and like compared to our new image number one numbers yeah. like that's that's a high number for an image book even yeah but boys 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 we gotta keep moving 30. tight 30 yeah, yeah, yeah. we got, tight 30. 30. We got we tight people 30. need to be able to oh, trust this is too many i'm so sorry that. for all the people um yeah. so well you guys well, hang right. out with us next week. We'll be on episode five of the Data Bros. Make sure not to miss it. With some exciting stuff to be talking about there. If you have any questions for the podcast, Brian, where do they send that? They're going to send that to podcast. That's P-O-D-C-A-S-T at databrosinc.com. That's D-A-T-A-B-R-O-S-I-N-C.com. And it'd be uh, super cool if you reviewed our podcast on whatever oh, service you amazing. use. Well, uh, I'm, I'm Brian. Can... I'm Manage Comics on most platforms. Go check me out there. You are? I'm 
Django. Uh, you can you find me online at uh, Django Boren, sometimes Django himself, if I'm feeling real saucy. And uh, Jeff and I run Comic Shop Assistant. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, you yeah. can you pretty can good TikTok videos. Two thousand. Try and find me, but I'm not super on the internet a ton. But if you look up Blame underscore Hoffman, there's a good chance that's me. And you can always <laughs> get me on Venmo at Jeff hyphen Figley. Check out Comic Shop Assistant and Comics Place online, and uh, we'll talk to you all next week. Data Bros is a joint project from the teams behind Comic Shop Assistant and Manage Comics. Data Bros are Django Boren, Jeff Figley, and Brian Garside. Brian Garside produces and edits the episode. And you'll find more about the Data Bros online at databrosinc.com. Subscribe, like, and review the Data Bros on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts.